Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Alive. You guys all doing good this morning? Awesome. Who's glad they came to church today? Come on, somebody. Man, it is a good morning to be in God's house, and uh, we're so glad that you guys have joined us this morning. And as they've already mentioned, uh, we are in our fourth and final week of our February series that we titled, Wait Till I Get My Money Right. And we've been on quite a journey this month together, learning how to manage, maximize, and multiply God's money in our life. And uh, how many of you guys know, we, we've covered a lot of ground in the last few weeks, right? Week one was money on my mind. We talked about four perspectives, healthy perspectives we should have from God's word when it comes to relating with and viewing money. Uh, week two was God's money managers. We learned that God calls us to be good stewards, right? And he entrusts us with his money, with his resources. And we learned a little bit about how to do that. Last week was the God first principle. And so we spent the whole time teaching and talking about the tithe, the who, the what, the where, the when, the why, the how of tithing and what that's all about and what the Bible has to say about that. Today, we are going to bring things home today. But if you missed any of our previous messages, I really encourage you guys, go back, listen to the podcast. You can watch it online. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, But as you guys know, this year, the Lord has dropped the word alignment on our hearts, both personally, but also I think corporately for us as a church, as a body of believers, I believe God wants to bring all areas of our life into alignment with his plan, with his word, and with his will. And this includes alignment in our finances according to God's word, right? And I think if we're honest, I think we all can learn and grow when it comes to managing money, right? None of us are perfect. We all make mistakes and we all have different scenarios. If I went around the room, uh, everybody would say they would maybe find themselves in a different financial state. And that's, that's how life works, right? But how many of you guys know sometimes our finances can get in a hot mess, right? And there's no judgment or condemnation on that, uh, but God wants to help us get out of that. But as we open up today, I was, as I was studying and praying this week, I also uh, like to take a little some mental breaks and just laugh a little bit. And so I, I came across some of these memes uh, that sometimes might hit a little too close to home, but I thought, I thought it would be good to get a good laugh. So if you guys want to show them that first one, uh, our current financial status, uh, if you guys remember the, what that chocolate tastes like in those gold coins there, uh, that's not funny, right? Uh, to go on to the next one, uh, you know, you finally catch up with all your bills and praise God for the check engine light. Thank you, Leo, all right? right how about the next one? I like this one. Uh, you can't go over budget if you don't have a budget. <laughs> I don't know if that's biblical at all, but hey, if that works for you, go for it. Uh, how about the next one? I love this one. When I found out who was spending all my money her shadow. Yeah. It's me. This one, go to the next one. Uh, Adults, you should have six months of salary saved up in an emergency fund that you don't spend. Me. Okay, right? (laughs) It's like, who has that, right? And then last one, this one really hits home at this age. Hitting the age when I finally understand why people were so excited to win an appliance. As a kid, I was talking to Jason uh, this week, uh, as a kid, I would watch The Price is Right. And I'd be like, no, you want the motorhome or the car, not the washer. But now I'm like, I want the washer. I want the $3,500 fridge, right, that like, tells me the weather and pours me a cup of coffee, right? Like, I'll take the appliance, praise God, right? Um, but although those are all funny and good, uh, some of those hit a little too close to home, obviously, right? And everyone say, wait till I get my money right. That's the heart of this series, to, to, for God and his word and his Holy Spirit to allow us and help us to get our money right. Uh, the financial experts over at Ramsey Solutions say this often, whether you're in their books or their podcasts, they said this, winning with money is 20% knowledge, 80% behavior. So 20% knowledge of what you know, but more so 80% of your behavior or your actions, right? It, it isn't so much knowing what to do, because I think if we're honest, a lot of us know what we ought to be go- doing or should be doing, but are we doing it? That is where the rubber meets the road, right? Knowledge and understanding, both knowledge and, and understanding applied in the Bible, it's known as wisdom. And I love the book of Proverbs. It is the book of wisdom. In Proverbs 4, verses 5 and 6, it tells us to get wisdom. And get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, for she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Uh, Interesting that wisdom is a lady, right? Ladies, where you at? All right, fellas, listen to your wife, all right? Sorry, that's another sermon, sorry. All right, today we're going to pursue some godly wisdom when it comes to finances. And uh, the title of my message is, 
wise money habits. We're going to talk about some wise money habits. I promised you that the last two weeks would be a lot more practical than they were, uh, you know, perspective-wise. And we're going we're to dive into a lot of places. We're going to look at some wise money habits according to God's Word, what God's Word instructs us to do. Uh, but before we jump into them, would you join me uh, as we pray to just kind of prepare our hearts and our minds to receive from His Word today? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this opportunity to gather in your name. We thank you that your presence is here. We thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's eternal. It's forever settled. You don't lie, Father God. If you said it, you meant it. And so, Father, as we lean in to your holy word today, I thank you that it transforms us. It renews our mind. It aligns us, Father God. It gets us on the right track, and it pushes us forward into your place that you have called for us, Lord God. We ask you to come into every area of our heart and our lives, even our finances today. Help us, Lord. We know that you're the helper, Holy Spirit, and so help us today to honor you in this area of our life. We love you, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody agreed, said, amen. Before I get into the, the, the wise money habits, I, I do want to just real quickly say this, and hopefully you guys agree, but God is a God of order. Amen? God is a God of order. If we look at creation, God ordered everything. He created everything in six days, right? If you look at the human body that God created, all the systems, all the muscles, all the things that work together and are intricately related to each other, God's a God of order, right? Time. God gave us time to order our days and number our days and help us stay on track and when to sleep and when not to sleep, right? Even God himself in his existence, the Trinity, is a God of order. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all working together, all different three personalities, but one God, right? And I, the reason why I say God is a God of order is because I've, I've experienced this in many different areas of my life, including financially, and it's this, God won't bless what's not in order. God won't bless what's not in order. Can God help when we're in disorder? A hundred percent. How many guys, your life was a hot mess before you met Jesus? That is me all over the place, right? And I didn't have anything in order, and he came into my life and brought order. But that's what he does. But if things aren't in order, God can help us, God can use us, God can be awesome to us, but he can't bless things that are out of order. He is a God of order. And this is true concerning our finances. And so when we want to get our money right, really what we're saying is we want to get our finances in order. We want to get our house in order. We want to get what goes on behind the scenes in order because we want and we desperately need God's blessing on that area of our life, amen? And when, we're, when it's in order, God can put his hand to something, amen? And so today we're going to keep it real practical. Uh, we're going to do a lot of um, you know, stuff that might be a review for you. We're going to talk about some stuff that might be brand new to you or somewhere in the middle. But here's my heart. I encourage you, lean in. I believe everybody's going to leave with something today that you can work on, that we can apply, that we can see. Man, God is for us and he wants to help us. Amen. So for the remainder of our time together, I'm going to share seven wise money habits. All right? We're going to blaze through these seven wise money habits. So I encourage you, take some notes so you can go back to them because uh, we won't be able to really give them the time that they probably deserve. But I want to give everybody a full gamut of some wisdom from God's word when it comes to our finances. You guys ready? All right, number one is work for a wage. Ever say work? So you have to have money in order to manage it wisely, right? Correct? If you don't got any money, if your current financial situation were those chocolate gold coins, we got issues, right? Uh, you want to manage it, but you got to have it first. And in order to have it, you got to make money, right? You got to earn an income. You guys tracking with me, right? We do this, we earn an income, we make money by a little old thing called W-O-R-K. Do you guys know what that spells? Work. I'm going to say work. Work, right? And why do we do this? Why, why work? Well, a couple things. Number one, the Bible says if you don't work, neither shall you eat, right? In, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10, it says, For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Hello, anybody like food like me? I do. I want to eat said, Eric, get to work, all right? Put your hand to something. The other reason why we work is to provide for our household. That's an honorable thing, right? In 1 Timothy 5, 8, it says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, if you're looking for God's will when it comes to work and earning money and making money, all you have to do is look in the Bible between the book of Esther and the book of Psalms, and it's right there staring at you. J-O-B, job. Some of you guys are laughing and looking at me funny. Okay, maybe it's Job, 
but I think God is comical in that, amen? A job, we have to have a job or have something that we earn an income from. We all know this, right? And I was reflecting on my own journey. I've had a bunch of different jobs along. I think I've been working in the official adult world, uh, big boy paycheck world for about 23 years now. And it started all the way back when I was 16 years old. I was the stock boy at the Brighton Target, all right? Everybody like Target? I was in the back. They didn't let me come out. I was a back-dwelling creature that stocked the things, but I would sneak out every now and then to see my friends and all that stuff. My, buddy, my best friend was a cart dude, so I'd like go out there and mess around with the carts with him, and then they said, get back in the store. You're supposed to be stocking stuff, right? And then I graduated, and I went on, and I moved into an associate role at Hollywood Video. It, 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 it used to be where the Little Chef in Brighton is on Grand River now. Now it's Little Chef. You guys remember video stores? Do you guys remember that? Like, like, like some of the next generation, you don't even, like a cassette tape? Like, like a good weekend was we're going to Blockbuster Hollywood on a Friday night to rent two movies for a two-day rental. That, that was my, you know, like, let's go. Like, like, and you'd watch them Friday night. You'd wake, wake up in the morning. You'd watch them Saturday. Like, you'd watch it like three times before you returned it. Me and my brother would. We'd memorize every movie we rented, Right? So I had a Hollywood video, then I, then I moved on to college, and I was blessed with a full-ride scholarship for basketball, so uh, I didn't work during the school year because I focused on my studies, and basketball I was pretty committed, but during the summers, got to make some money, right? So my first college job was college pro painters, and if I painted your house in Brighton in summer of 2004, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all I got to say about college pro painters, all right? We had no clue what we were doing, but we were excited to make money and work, Right? Then for the other remaining summers before I graduated, I worked at Preview Properties, which is also here in Brighton, right off Grand River, a real estate company. I started as an accounting intern, and then the person quit, and so I actually became the accounts payable and receivable manager uh, as, as a young 17-year-old kid and managing millions of dollars of assets and all that kind of stuff and doing the books for them. And so uh, that was a really good experience. Then Eric and I, we got married. We moved down to Tulsa. We went to Bible school, and good old HSBC credit card call center. That was my job for two years. Hi, how you doing? My name's Eric. How can I help you? No, I cannot remove that late fee on your credit card. By the way, would you like to buy identity protection? That was me. And I was on the high sales team. Somehow people called in mad. And by the end of the phone call, they loved me and they bought like four things from us. And, and it helped, helped me earn bonuses and all that great stuff. So that was what I learned there. And I then eventually got off the phones and became a trainer. And then uh, after that, after, after school, we've been in full-time ministry now for almost 15 years. It'll be this, May, or this June. 15 years or eight years on staff at Valley Family Church in Kalamazoo. And then I'll be seven years this summer at an amazing Alive Family Church. Let's go. And so I don't share all that to brag. I'm just saying that, hey, you guys probably have awesome journeys of all the different jobs, but the whole reason what I've learned along the way is put your hand to something so that God can bless it. Amen? If you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't give some effort, you can't expect to sit at home, eat chips, watch Netflix and chill, and become a TikTok influencer and make millions of dollars like our next generation. You, you pull the next Gen Z and below, they all want to be YouTube influencers. That's their greatest aspiration in life, right? You can make some good money in that. Don't get me wrong. But usually it takes a little bit more effort than just filming yourself talking. Amen? Like there's, there's an effort that needs to happen and multiple places in scripture it talks about how a laborer or a worker is worthy of his wage. Now side note, your wage does not determine your worth. I think a lot of people get that twisted. Well, once I make this much a year, then I'm, I'm something. No, your wage doesn't determine your worth, but you have to work to earn a wage. Amen? So do you guys get, get that? And so it's a part of life. And it's one of the first things God did after you created man. He said, tend and keep the garden, Adam. It, it, work is not unscriptural. Work is not from the devil, although some weeks it feels like it. Come on, somebody, right? Uh, it's not. It's been apart from the very beginning. A lot of people misquote this. They think that work is the result of the fall in the garden. No, work just got harder because of sin. Work was actually a God-ordained thing, right? And go back and look at Genesis chapter 2 and 3 to get the context and line you up on that. But sometimes... God's blessing, sometimes God's provision in our life looks a lot like hard work. Everyone say work. And so practicals in this area, what do we do here? Well, I think we've all come to learn, unfortunately, that money does not grow on trees, amen? And so we're going to have to work and go put our hand to something, right? So it's wise for us to get a job or jobs, and in certain seasons you might have multiple jobs, Main job, uh, side hustle, a different stream, passive income, uh, real estate, all that kind of stuff. However God leads you to provide, that is okay because if you 
work, you can earn a wage, amen? And if you earn a wage, you can honor God with it, amen? And you can provide for your family. I think sometimes the other practical that I I always make sure that we're doing when it comes to work is be faithful where God has you right now. I think we're always looking for the next promotion, the foot in one door, and there's nothing wrong with promotion. It comes from the Lord. But all of us are like wanting to own our own business or make like six figures or do all this crazy stuff, but we can't even show up the time for on time for our job right now. We can't even be faithful where we are right now. Faithful with the little, God will entrust you with more. Amen? You want to know the quickest way to promotion in God's kingdom? It's faithfulness. It's consistency. It's showing up with a good attitude, whether your boss is godly or ungodly, whether you like your coworkers or you don't like your coworkers. God doesn't say everything we do, we can work unto him as worship to him and let God fight our battles for us. Amen? And so when we line that up, things start to line it up. And the last thing I want to say about work is this. Your job is not your source. Amen? We have to understand that, yes, I received the paycheck for them, and without that, that would be kind of hard, but God is your source. Who gives you the ability to work? Who gives you the life in your body? Who helps you, who promotes you? Promotion comes from the Lord, right? So God is our source. Your employer is just a tool that God uses to get funds to you so that you can be a good steward. Does that make sense? Amen? So we work to, to get a wage. That's number one. Second wise money habit is number two, stick to a budget. Someone say Budget. Woo! Let's talk about budgets in church. Let's go. Not exciting. But creating a budget is the number one tool for us to be a good steward of God's resources and money. Unfortunately, so many people don't operate with a budget. Statistics say that 57% of households in America don't actually have a budget. So almost over half. And we've all heard it said before that if you fail to plan, you what? You plan to fail, right? So not operating off of a budget with our finances is a surefire way to plan to fail with our money. And so just logging into our checking account apps on our phone a few times a month and to see how much we have in there is not a budget, all right? Just because you have money in your account does not mean you should spend it, nor should you spend it on what you think you ought to spend it on, right? But we get in trouble with that, right? A budget is giving vision to your money. It's giving vision to your money, right? And, and it's, it's telling every dollar where it needs to go before you spend it, right? It's a plan that you can work. It's a system. I love, uh, we're big Dave Ramsey fans, and uh, I love what he says. His definition of a budget really kind of hits it on the head. He says this, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went, right? This is so good. It's telling every dollar where to go versus saying, what happened? I'm, I'm out of money. Uh, hopefully next month it's better, right? It's, it, it's a plan. It's a vision, right? And let me, let me just be real with you. I'll level with you. Budgeting is like the non-sexy thing about finances, but it helps us so much to be a good steward and to honor the Lord and honor every dollar that comes through our possession. Because if you don't budget, it's hard to be blessed, if you don't budget and you're just, you, got a, you got like a hole in your account and all of a sudden you just, you're, you're always going to run out of money. There's always going to be something to do, something to buy, something to get, something to sign up for, right? It's going to be really hard to be a faithful tither or a generous believer if we don't operate off a budget. Let's just be real. We're all like, I want to honor God. But it's like, I don't know where my money went last month or the year before or the year before, right? We just, we just made it work, right? Praise God, we made it, right? No, God wants way more than praise God, we made it. He wants to give us the strategic plan of how to make it, Amen. He wants to show us what areas we do. And so uh, a budget helps us gain order. It helps us gain control of our finances so God can bless it. And uh, Jesus spoke about wise, uh, this wise principle of planning ahead about in money, with money in Luke chapter 14. I want to show this to you real quick. Luke 14, 28 through 30 says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you saying this person began to build but wasn't able to finish. And so a budget is a real good way for us to be a good steward and know where it's going and telling every dollar where it's going, not being just blown by whatever deal's going on or whatever thing is going on. But no, we have goals and we know how to hit those goals because if we do this consistently over time, we will hit that goal. Does that make sense? Uh, Pastor Eric and I, we love budgets. Uh, we're not the best at them, but we're getting better. And I found, we found in our own, our own marriage that the only way we can ever reach a financial goal that we have is if we stick to the budget. When we, when we detour off the budget, 
disaster happens, right? And so sticking to the budget. Uh, and also, I just want you guys to know, many of you guys are maybe newer to the church. just want you to have confidence and trust that a live family church operates off of a wise budget too. Praise God. Ever since we launched in 2017 and beyond, we've operated with a wise stewardship budget because this is God's house, this is God's church, this is God's people, and this is God's money, amen? And we don't play games. Home, we don't play games with God's money, amen? We got to make sure that's in order and that is in alignment with his plan and his purpose. And so I did want to show this to you guys real quick. Uh, We have some uh, general budget principles, some percentages that we shoot for every single year in our annual budget. And so as you'll see there, uh, staffing makes up about 35% of that. And that's actually on the lower side. National staffing for most churches is 46% to 60% where churches get really in trouble is they get bloated on the staffing in the salary side really high and then it doesn't allow much left over to do any ministry or outreach, right? We've strategically kept that low many years below 35% of the annual income when it comes to staff and part-time and payroll and all that stuff. Um, side note, we, uh, we kept it low on purpose also because we wanted to get a physical building quicker than most churches, amen? Praise God. We're in a physical building right now. Come on, somebody. We worked our heart out and we worked really hard those first six years, or those first four and a half, five years, so that we could be in a position to do this, right? And um, now that we're in the building and we're growing and we're seeing lots of growth, we have need for more full-time staff. We have, Eric and I are the only full-time staff and then we have six other part-time staff, but we need more people to carry it all throughout the week. And as you know, it's like we'll just spend more in the staffing category, Pastor. It's not that hard. And we are committed to not go above that 35%. So the only way to do that is for all of the giving to go up. We're not going to steal from Peter, rob from Peter to pay Paul. We're going to stay wise because we don't want to get overbloated in the staffing area. So we're just trusting God. So it's an area of opportunity for us as a church this year. As giving grows, now we can have an opportunity to have more ministry opportunity and people leading different areas. Amen. So that's staffing facilities. It's about 20 25% of our annual budget, that's the building and the insurance and all that stuff. Uh, operations and ministry, you'll see, is, is 20%. Uh, then we got, obviously, the tithe, the church tithes. We talked about that last week. At least 10% goes out from these walls for missions and outreach. And then another 10% goes to savings. Asterisk on last year with the building <laughs> campaign. Uh, we didn't save much. We actually used a lot of our reserves to get that campaign across the finish line. But praise God, we had the money. We were able to cash flow everything. Uh, we weren't in debt for any of that stuff. And so praise God, he is faithful. Amen. But just wanted you to show this to you because, man, if we don't have a plan, Money comes in and money goes out. It's like, where to go, right? But there is a strategic plan, and every time money comes in, these are how it's allocated to those percentages, right? And so, so for those of you guys that are new to Alive, just know this is some good ground to sow seed in. I, I just want to tell you that. This is some good ground, and I believe God honors when we take care of his money and we steward it well. He will honor that, amen? And he is. And uh, some practicals when it comes to budgeting in our own lives practically. The first step is simply create a budget, Right? So you actually have to sit down and be like, what are my expenses? What's my income? What's happening this month? And create a budget, right? And it can be a spreadsheet. It could be on a budgeting app. Uh, we use a couple things. We've used an app called uh, Good Budget. There's also one called Every Dollar by Dave Ramsey. I'm going to show a slide in a, a few minutes that gives a lot of resources for you guys if you want to take a snapshot of that just to help you uh, continue to grow in this area. But the key is make a budget and then start tracking how you spend. It's amazing when you actually start tracking, everything starts adding up. You're like, we spent that much on eating out last month? Are you kidding me? Like, man, I'll take a lunch to work, and I can give money over here. I can do this instead, right? When we start knowing where every dollar goes, we can get control of our money, amen? The other area, what happens is when you start budgeting, you know where you want to be, but where you are, and so it gives you, it like illuminates what areas you might need to cut, Right? Or I need to reduce this. Or I can do without this for a season so that I can accomplish this goal over here and allocate money there. Right? And then the last thing is practically making a budget is great. Tracking your expenses is great. Stick to the budget. It's called a budget so that you don't budge from it. Amen? But we're like, oh yeah, we got the money. It'll, it'll be there. God will, God will provide. Right? It's like, it's like man. Calm down, all right? Making Target's shareholder stock go way up, all right? No, no, I, we always say Target, it's so fast. I, I worked at, my first job was Target, all right? Target, right? The red shirt, the name tag. Hi, my name's Eric. I'll stock your stuff. You'll have no clue that I'm here, all right? But your shelves will be full, right? Hey, we want to stick to the plan. When you have a vision, 
and you run with it, it's beautiful, right? When we have a budget does us no good if it's a piece of paper on a spreadsheet on our computer that we never look at until the next time we do taxes or something like that. We're like, what happened? Right? We don't want to be in a place where we're like, what happened? We know what's happening, and we're partnering with God along the way. Does that make sense? So that's number two. Uh, number three, the next wise money habit is avoid and demolish debt. Someone say debt. Woo, punch debt in the face, right? Debt is out of control in our country. As we know, 77, 77% of Americans uh, have at least some type of debt. Uh, the average American debt per U.S. adult is $58,604. 45 million Americans currently have student loan debt with the average debt per borrower of $38,792. And like we mentioned in week one, nearly one-third of Americans only pay the minimal payment on their credit cards every single month. Now, some people will argue, and we're not going to get into this, but there's good debt and there's bad debt. I know exactly what you're talking about, where you're coming from, but there's a difference between having a mortgage and having over $20,000 of credit card debt because you couldn't control yourself on Amazon or at Target. Amen? There's a difference between that, right? And so debt, God does not like debt. Debt is slavery for free people. Jesus has already set us free from all poverty, sickness, disease, yet we put ourselves under bondage again when we go into debt, right? And, and debt, debt uh, will sidetrack and shipwreck so many of our financial goals, and it will keep us back from all that God has for us. The Bible is very clear on debt. Uh, Proverbs 22, 7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Jesus came to set the slave and the captive free, yet we put ourselves back under bondage, when we go into debt and we, we buy things that we don't have money for, right? Proverbs 22, 26, and 27 says, Do not be the one who shakes hands in a pledge or puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from underneath you. And as I did my study this month on money, I, I found it interesting. Nowhere in the Bible does God use debt to bless his people. Nowhere. I couldn't find one story where God said, Go into debt to bless the people. Nowhere. Nowhere. And so I was like, man, I got to stick to the word, speak where the God's word speak, and be silent where it's silent. And debt isn't his philosophy. It's the world's. It's the world's philosophy, how you get ahead, and how you get the bigger thing, and do this, and all of that. But God never intended for us to be in mountains of debt, slave to a lender, right? Paying for things that we already have experienced years ahead of time, but still paying those off later, right? There's a better way. And, and, and Jesus came to set us free from all debt in our life, even financial debt. Um, and, and the reason why this is so important is because Jesus talks about how there's two masters that we can serve, and we can't serve two masters. We can only serve one master. He talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. A lot of you guys are familiar with this passage. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or mammon, or the spirit of money. You cannot serve both God and money. And so we might have both God, God in our life, and money, but you cannot serve both of them. Does that make sense? You have to pick and choose which one you serve. I heard it taught this way. Um, uh, money is a great servant, but a terrible master. Money is a great servant when it's working for us, but it's a terrible master to have over us. And if we could get this imagery, there's a throne in each of our lives, and someone must sit on that throne. It could be God, or it could be money, but only one gets to sit on that throne of our heart. Does that make sense? We can't have both sit there, and so that's why we have to make some hard choices, right? So practically, when it comes to debt, what do we do here? Well, we're going to have to exercise some self-control. We're going to have to exercise some self-restraint. We're going to have to do something called delayed gratification. I want it, but I don't need it. There's a difference between a want and a need, right? We're going to have to say, Holy Spirit, is this a want or a need? And does my budget say yes or does it say no? Don't let me be the bad guy. Let the budget be the bad guy, right? Man, I would love to go do X, Y, and Z, but Mr. Budget says no, right? Yeah, I want to buy that car and say that car. Guess what, honey? Mr. Budget says no. Right now, not forever, but just right now. We need to be a good steward of this, right? And so I, I, Dave Ramsey hits it right on the head. He says, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> We're trying to impress somebody that we don't even really like, and it's not, we don't even have the money 
but we appear to be successful. We appear to live at the standard of living, but we can't even afford it. And it gets us deeper and deeper into debt and trouble, right? What else do we need to do? Well, if you are in debt currently, don't be like, well, I'm the worst person on earth because most of the people in the room have some form of debt in their life. Let's just be honest. We need to eradicate that debt as quickly as possible. We need to get back to square one where we pay for things when we have the money, right? It might take us years to do that. It might take us a dedicated season. We might have to go backwards to go forwards. Dave Ramsey calls it the debt snowball, right? You take the smallest debt in your life, you eradicate that first, you get a win. Momentum is contagious, right? Then you apply that and you go to the next one. And the next one, you snowball that. And all of a sudden, just like a snow, little snowball rolling down a hill, it all of a sudden gets bigger. And now you're winning with money. If you're a couple, you're seeing the debt go down and you're celebrating things that you're paying off. And all of a sudden, you've got some positive momentum in your life. You're like, we're going places, amen? But we've got to stop spending money we don't have. Amen? That's wisdom from the Bible. That isn't Pastor Eric's opinion. That is wisdom from God's Word. We don't want to be slave to the lender. Amen? And then this concept that's crazy, save up and pay cash for things. What? It's like, like in our culture, it's like, no, no one does that. No one does that anymore. It's like, when you have the money, buy it, and don't be feel guilty about it, right? Saving up. So what does that mean? That might mean putting the credit cards in the trash or taking them out of our wallets and our purses or uh, something we did recently just to get more discipline is we, we removed our credit cards from all the automatic checkouts and only our debit cards there. We, we swipe so much, guys, we don't even feel the money leaving our account. You got to feel it that everything has a cost to it. If I'm going to buy this goofy thing on Amazon because I was scrolling, that looked cool, and I, I wanted it. I don't need it, but I wanted it. Then I, that means I can't do X, Y, and Z over here because I already spent money here. But we just like swipe it and say, we'll let God figure it out at the end of the month, and hopefully it's not in the red. That is no plan of financial stewardship, right? And so we got to feel it so that way we own it. And if we own it, God can help us and bless us. Does that make sense? Again, I'm teaching a lot here. This is practical stuff. This is different preaching for Pastor Eric, all right? I'm not a financial guru. I'm not a financial advisor. But I'll tell you what, God's word is very clear on some of this stuff. And if you need some resources, uh, a great course is called Financial Peace University. If you've never taken it, it's the best $79 you'll ever spend in your life. It'll teach you how to get out of debt, how to get some savings in order. Uh, if you're a book reader, you like to listen to audio books, this one's free on Spotify Premium right now. Dave Ramsey's The Total Money Makeover will help blow your 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 mind on how to get rid of debt and how to get in a better financial. Again, all practical stuff, but based on biblical principles. Amen. Everybody doing good? All right. We got to get going here. Here we go. Number four. Fourth wise habit is right relationships. Everyone say relationships. So this one I think is the most underestimated one. The power of having the right relationships is huge when it comes to getting our money right. And I'm not saying that y'all need wealthier friends. Some of you can't afford wealthier friends. Right? We can't go to eat there ever, right? It's like, no, I, what I'm saying is we could probably all use some wiser friends. Amen? Uh, I've, I've been saying it all series because I believe it's true. Keeping up with the Joneses is not working because the Joneses are broke. Now, the Joneses appear to be really wealthy. The Joneses appear to social media and on TikTok and in your neighborhood to have it all together. They live in a house that has more square footage than you. They drive nicer cars than you. They, their kids do nicer stuff and go to nicer schools. They wear nicer clothes, right? They go out to eat at nicer restaurants, right? They go on nicer vacations. But the thing that most of the Joneses have going for them is they actually don't own anything in their life, and they have mountains of debt, but they continue to go into debt to appear to the public that they have it going on because now they've already tasted this lifestyle creep that has happened in their life, and they're not willing to sacrifice to ever go backwards again. And so this is a trap that many couples find themselves in, is we look like we got it going on, but according to paper, we're in a lot of debt. We're living in things, driving things, eating things, and wearing things that we have yet to pay for. That's no life. There's no freedom in that. There's no peace in that. You are slave to the lender. Capital One, Discover, American Express say, I'm your daddy. Who the boss? I am. And I say every month, you got to give me at least this. Otherwise, woo, right? You, there's no control. You become slave. That's no life to live. And Jesus died for way more than that in our financial situation. Amen? Would you guys agree with that? And so having the right relationship, we, we got to be careful who we get our money advice from, right? 
God bless them. Sometimes the best TikTok influencer isn't the best person to be listened to of how to, how, to, how to manage your money. Some tips are really great. How to make passive income and all that stuff while you're sleeping. Awesome. Great. But don't listen to just everybody on the internet when it comes to your money, right? Proverbs 13.20 says, walk with the wise and will become wiser. Associate with fools and get into trouble, right? You probably have all heard this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future, right? Why? Well, because in the Word of God, 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And I've heard it taught and said that you and I, we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with in like every area. Spiritually, we're the average of the five people. Physically, like our physical fitness oftentimes is the five people we hang around the closest with. And financially, we're the five people. So some of us, we need to not dump well, who we got, but, but add some new people to our circle. Add some more people to the water. Does that make sense? Like be strategic and reach up. Find some people that you're like, man, I, I would love to be, have my finances order like them someday. What are you doing? What did you do? Ask them questions. When, how old were you this? How did you start here? Where are you investing? How are you doing that? Like, like get some good mentors in our life. Amen? And the other cool thing we have access to that we didn't uh, years ago was mentors from afar. Not only right relationships, but the right resources. This one is gold, and you can lean into this and become a brilliant, brilliant person when it comes to financial management if you just listen and read some content and begin to apply it in your life, right? We call it from a mentorship from afar, right? I may not be good best friends with Dave Ramsey, but I can read all of his books, right? I, I may not know how to manage it like a CPA does, but I can read his philosophy and his stuff. I can read his blog. I can follow him, right? You can do this from afar, and a lot of it's free or very low cost, Right? And I want to show you guys, i got a couple slides because some of you guys have been coming to me. What are those books that you've been reading? I showed a picture in week one. And so if you want to show them that first slide, here's, here's a couple recommended books from you guys, for you guys if you're wanting to grow in some of these areas. Again, you can take a picture of this or go back online. This will be on the recording. Uh, but just some things that have really helped me out along the time. Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. His newest one, Baby Step Millionaires. I love this. Everyday People. Mostly like janitors and teachers that retire with five point something million dollars because they just stuck to the plan. Like normal Joes, not inheritance money, not, not, not hush fund, baby, not, not any of that. Just like doing the plan over and over and over and watching the power of compound interest happen and dudes and women that are retiring loaded and blessed to live and give like no other because they simply worked the plan in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. Amen? And so there's hope there. So that's a good one. I just got done with that. Robert Morris has some great biblical teaching. His two, two of my favorite books from him is The Blessed Life, and beyond blessed, one deals with the tithe and stewardship, one deals with uh, just practical, you know, being the stewardship, and one brings uh, the actual giving part, and he talks about the power of giving. Uh, those are great books. Uh, the newest Dave Ramsey personality, I love this guy. Some of you guys have heard of him, George Camel. He, uh, he's sarcastic, he's funny. His audio book, uh, Breaking Free from Broke, it's a brand new book. I just read it, audio. It's, again, I didn't realize, if you guys are Spotify Premium uh, subscribers, they've got all these brand new books for free just on there as part of it. I got, and he reads it, and he has jokes, and he's like a 90s kid, and like, it's awesome. It's, it's funny. Like, I've never laughed so much at a financial book. I, I had a lot of fun reading this one recently, and it gets into student loan, and, but what about a credit score? You, can't, you need a credit score. You need a credit card, and all, it just busts all these myths that the government and, and society has relied to us about of how to honor God in our finances. Really fun. Uh, Randy Elkhorn, Managing God's Money. Uh, Wealth and Generosity by Beth Jones, Pastor Beth Jones. Uh, cool side note, the first time anybody ever gives at all any amount at Alive when the system checks that, uh, we actually mail you this book for free as just a free gift and a resource for you. And it's really good biblical teaching on just how to do money God's way. And then getting a grip on the basics of prosperous living. If you want a Bible study, a workbook to really take you through what God believes about all this stuff, that is a great book. All right, second slide, some podcasts for you guys. If you like, I don't read books. I haven't read a book since kindergarten. All right, that's fine. Uh, you can do audio books or you can do podcasts, right? Rachel Cruz is Dave Ramsey's daughter. She's way cooler than Dave Ramsey. She's not bald and uh, she, she's a millennial. So uh, she takes all of his principles if it makes it like our language and below. And so really like her podcast, The Ramsey Show, still going with other personalities. George Camel, that new guy at Ramsey, has a new one. Smart Money Happy Hour, this is cool. They, uh, Rachel and George share a drink and, uh, and they talk about random stuff and it's really entertaining and they also have some really good gold and some nuggets there. And then some resources. If you're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to make a budget. I don't know how to save up for a big purchase. I don't know how to do this or that. RamseySolutions.com. 
Again, you feel like I'm a spokesperson for Ramsey here. I'm not getting any commission. I'm not getting paid. I just have learned so much from these dudes. They have blogs. They have video blogs. They have podcasts. Uh, like the course I mentioned, Financial Peace University, $79, best $79 you could ever invest. How to get out of debt, how to save an emergency fund, how to invest for retirement, how to get back on track with your money. And then budgeting apps. Uh, apps are really cool. So there's one called Every Dollar that Ramsey put out, and there's another one that we've used, and we're kind of in between switching apps right now. We're kind of using both right now. One called Good Budget. Uh, it's really like Dave Ramsey's envelope system from the 70s and 80s, but electronically on your phone. So you and your spouse have the app. You tell all your categories, and when anyone goes to Target, they fill it in. So you know exactly how much more money you have in that envelope each month. And when you're out, you're out. You can't spend any more than the envelope. And so that really helps you stay on track financially and win and be on the same page as your spouse. Woo! Everybody doing good? All right, we got, what do we got? Two more? Three more? Shoot. All right, so let's go. Five. Number five. You guys doing good? Number five, save something. Everyone say save. Did you just swear? Wait. No, Save save money, like money that you don't spend, yeah, save. All right, I'm not even going to give you a percentage here. I'm just encouraging you today, save something, all right? Creating margin in your budget to save is not just a financial principle. It's actually a biblical one. We see this in Proverbs 21.20. The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down as it comes, right? And Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, we can learn a lot from the ant. Take a look at this. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince, nor governor, nor ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. Even the ant, the smallest basic insect in our creation, knows that if it doesn't work hard and save some up in the summer, it won't have anything for the winter. It's good to have something for that rainy day, for that emergency, right? Genesis 41, we won't go there, but if you write that down, God, you guys are familiar with a guy in the Bible named Joseph. God gave Joseph a strategic saving plan that not only saved his life, but so many lives, and his dad and his brothers. Remember the seven years of harvest in Egypt? He gathered and he saved. Then they had seven years of famine, but because he saved, he saved a whole nation of people. God's people. Powerful stuff, right? So it is wise to save, right? To set some money aside to have that rainy day fund or that emergency fund. Because why? We don't want to be in a position like we hear about Jaden. Why don't you guys watch this video real quick? We don't want to be Jaden, all right? Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How, how, much, money, how much money does he have? Jaden broke. <laughs> I love this video. I watched this 16 times this week. Remember those math problems where it had like the dollar bill, the quarter, and the penny, and their homework was, what does this equal, right? He had one dollar bill, one quarter, two pennies, a dollar and 27 cents. How much money does Jaden have? Jaden broke. I love that. That is so, that, the kid is wise, street smarts, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's go. He gets it. Saving is important because we need more money than a dollar and 27 cents to our name, amen? We need some in the bank, right? First time I ever really learned saving was when there is this special feeling in my heart towards a certain someone on the front row. And I wanted to marry this woman. But in order to do that, I had to buy her a rock for her hand. And fellas, you understand this. It's like a car for somebody's finger. And when we went out ring shopping, I realized she has really awesome taste. Good on you. Thank you, honey. Praise God. And so for the two last summers of me hustling at Preview Properties, I saved almost probably 80 to 90% of what I was taking home uh, because I was still living at home and eating my mom and dad's food and eating, drinking their Mountain Dew and doing all that stuff, right? Praise God for seasons like that, right? Where there's not much expenses and it's just inflow, right? Um, I saved most of that and bought a ring with cash, amen? Didn't finance the rock, didn't say I'll pay for it later when I get this better job. I had the money. And I bought, and I felt it. I felt it come in, and I felt that money clear, like, in seconds. And I was like, I sure hope she says yes. And I'm taking this back. Can you give me 100%? No, it already went down in value. It's like, no, come on. So, again, I know we have different scenarios. I think a lot of us, though, we always are saving for something, but we don't ever have a principle where we have some where it's just there just in case. I think that, that is where the rubber meets the road there. Jesus said in, in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he said, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? But if you don't have something to give, 
then how can you ever receive that blessing that Jesus is talking about, right? And if you don't have, you can't give what you don't have, right? So saving money and having money on reserve is a really great principle. So a couple practicals when it comes to saving. Uh, Again, a lot of you guys are familiar with Dave Ramsey. He's got seven baby steps. We follow them closely. We don't follow Ramsey to a T. There's some different things we do, but the first four of his baby steps really help us in the area of savings. Like, what do I do if I want to start somewhere? He says the first thing is you got to get about $1,000, $1,500 in an emergency fund. Get it in the bank right now. Because when the car thing needs $300 repair, you, you don't want to put that on the credit card. You need to cash flow that so that way you're still moving forward and you're not, not getting out of debt or you're getting out of debt, right? So step one is put money in the bank, $1,000. Then step two takes most people a while, depending on your condition. Get rid of all debt minus your mortgage. Someone's like, dang, that'll take me a long time. You don't know what my student loans are. I'll go gazelle-like at that debt. Eradicate that. Once you do that, then save up three to six months of expenses in an emergency. If I remember that meme, that you don't touch. An emergency isn't they're having a buy one, get one free sale at Kohl's. All right? Or like, we, oh, we just forgot Christmas comes every December. Oh, we got to dip into that, right? It's like, no, no, no. You know what's coming. Save up. Buy presents in cash, Right? right? It's an emergency fund for emergencies. So that way when things happen, that health thing, those hospital bills are unexpected, you cash flow that stuff, you don't charge, all right? Because we're just going backwards if we keep swiping, right? Then you move forward and you start having fun. Then you invest 15% of your take-home pay into retirement. After you do that, you take care of the college fund. After you do that, you pay off the house early. And after that, you don't know anything to anyone, yet you have all this income. Your income continues to grow. And now you can live and give like no one else and be the most generous person ever. Bless people, take care of this, buy that vacation for somebody, and know that God is a blessing God, a God that blesses people when we're generous. We're going to talk about that in a second. And live like no one else, right? Sometimes it takes a lot of hard work in this season that we're in right now to be able to accomplish that, right? And so uh, some people like principles and and percentages, right? You might have heard of the 80-10-10. Some of you guys might operate that way. What does that look like? 80% of your your income is spent on expenses, 10% the tithe goes to the Lord, it's giving, and 10% save, right? You always pay yourself first every time you get paid, otherwise you'll never have something in the long run, right? But it takes discipline. This is not easy stuff. Saving is the non-sexy stuff of finances as well, but it really will help us get on the right page. So again, if you need help with that, there's a lot of resources, but it is a biblical principle, all right? Two more. Let's finish this up. Number six, I won't talk long on this one. Invest intentionally. All right, now we're getting to the good stuff. Cryptocurrency, you know, I'm not talking about any of that stuff, right? When we're saving money, we want to be wise with it, we want to be a good steward with it, and we want it to grow, amen? Right? And you guys remember in week two of the series, we looked at Matthew 25, we looked at the parable of the talents, where the owner entrusted the servants, three different servants, with his money, not like pennies, not Jaden, not $1.27, like millions of dollars, and said, be faithful, I'm coming back. We saw that the type and shadow of how Jesus is going to return someday, and when Jesus, the master, returns, he's going to expect a return. And the one dude that just sat on it, put it in his drawer, and shoved it, and said, I'm going to do, he said, hey, you, at least you could have put it in the bank and earn interest, right? So God is looking for us to be good stewards on this, and so we want to be good stewards because in Proverbs 13, 11, it says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. That power of compound interest is amazing. By no means am I a financial advisor. If you need help in this area, please go counsel and, and seek that out to help you, but If you have no clue where to start investing, here's a couple just areas to consider for you guys, just things you can write down. The first one I think a lot of us need to lean into if you're not already is high-yield savings accounts. You all know the national average for your bank, the bank, the big picture one, the logo on their check and all that stuff, the one you go take money to or you look at their app, 0.56% return rate on most big box banks. There are a lot of online FDIC-insured Online high-yield savings accounts that, depending on your balance, are giving you 4.5 to 5.5% return just for your money to sit there versus 0.56% or 4 or 5%. Do the math on that of whatever your savings account looks like right now. That's free money, right? It's insured money, right? And so, again, a lot of them are more online. You can't actually drive there if you like the feel of that. But, again, research, do your homework. Don't just give your money to anybody. But if it's just going to sit there, might as well make some return while it's sitting there, amen? That's a basic, like that's a basic return, right? 
Uh, some other areas that you can invest in, CDs. Now, that's not what we put in our cars in the 90s and 2000s. I'm not talking about that, right? Make a nice burn playlist, right? CDs, certificate of deposit. It's for a set time. You can't really touch it for that time, but it earns a higher rate. Those are still around. Uh, obviously, we've got our retirement accounts, 401ks, 4013bs, all of that stuff. Uh, mutual funds are great because uh, they diversify your investments there. There's also something called an exchange-traded fund, an ETF, that kind of takes a bunch of different stocks and it's all in there, so you're not just married to one. And then there's obviously individual stocks, right? You can be led by the Spirit and God says, I want to invest here. And man, my, we've heard so many testimonies of that, but don't, don't get tricked by get-rich-quick schemes and all of that. Do your homework and always listen to the Holy Spirit, amen? He's a genius. He knows which ones are going to hit it and which ones aren't before they hit it. So if you, if you ask the Holy Spirit who to invest in, and you lean into that and he leads you, you, you become very wealthy just by listening to the voice of God. Amen? So again, that's investing. I'm not going to bore you with all of that. The last one is, I think, the most important for us. Number seven, wise money habit. I'll end with this one. Give generously. Give generously. Uh, and the crazy thing is, if we don't do the previous six ones really well, the, the wise money habits that we just talked about, we don't ever really get to have fun in this category. This is where fun with money actually. You can have fun with money. And we think fun with money is buying bigger boats and bigger vacations. No, fun with money is being more generous. And it really is like, it's intangible. Uh, that, that high you get when you bless somebody and they don't have any clue, or you take care of that person's bill at the table and they're like blessed, or it's the single mom waiting the tables and you leave a tip that's double what your bill was or whatnot. There's nothing better than that. There's nothing more high than that high. And God knew this, right? Being rich focuses on yourself. Being wealthy focuses on others. I know a lot of rich people that are really selfish and stuck on themselves. It's not, a, it's not an attractive attitude. I know a lot of wealthy people that you would have no clue that they're wealthy. They're the kindest, like the most wealthy people that I know personally are the kindest, humblest, most generous people I know. They really are. They give you the shirt off their back. And, and, and they're not flaunting it. And they're not parading it. They are just blessed to be a blessing. And God honors that and God moves in that, right? Generosity is that secret sauce, I think, that a lot of us, when we can get to that point, it really helps us to win exponentially with finances, right? Uh, what did, what did uh, Paul say in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 8? He said, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what he has decided and in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Amen? Whoever sows sparingly can expect to reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully or generously can expect to reap generously. And Jesus said to store up treasures in heaven for ourselves, not down here on earth, right? In Matthew 6, 19 through 21, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moss and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. He says, but instead, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither raw, not moth or rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is or where your money is, there your heart will be also. We talked about this one in week one. So giving, but not just giving any, giving to make an eternal impact is a powerful principle we see in God's word. There's a lot of great causes out there, but man, when we build what God is building, when we lay up eternal fruit, eternal fruit is people, it's souls. Right? When we give to causes that are doing that and, and on the front lines to that work, we're laying up treasures in heaven. And like I said in week one, everything at the end of our life, it all burns. Our accounts, our vacation homes, our investments, our 401, it all, whenever Jesus cracks his clouds and, and, and the end of the earth happens, it all, we can't take any of it with us. And so, yeah, we need to have stuff set aside. And it's wise to have retirement funds and plan for all that stuff. But how much do we need? Like, I'll, uh, there's, there's, there's some concept that they're like living, living your life and ending on zero. Like, giving it away, like blessing people and, and being generous with that. That's a concept that I'm chewing on right now because I'm not there yet. But it's like, how, how do I want to live my life? Where do I want to be at that stage? What would that look like, right? We, we spent last week talking about tithing, right? One of the first ways that we can get in on the giving game is simply bringing God the tithe, which is the first 10%, right? It's, it's the way we put God first. It gets us in the game, right? We spent all week looking at that, right? Malachi chapter 3, or sorry, sorry chapter, chapter 3, verse 10. I think that we put it, I, I put it in my notes wrong. It's Malachi chapter 3, verses 10 through 12, not chapter 10. It doesn't exist. 
bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And God says, try me now in this. He says, test me, prove me. I double dog dare you to bring the tithe. And he says, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive it. He goes on and talks about all the blessing of the tithe, right? As I talked about last week, tithing is the training wheels of giving in the Christian life. A lot of us, we think that's the end goal. 10% is the first starting block standard. That's, that's a hard word to hear. But again, I'm not saying that that's God's word, right? 5% of the U.S. tithes. Over, over Christianity as a whole, Christians are giving 3% of their income to the Lord. But God's initial starting block standard is 10. The real fun with giving happens at 11, 12, 15, 13. There's tithes and then there's offerings. And what is an offering? It's anything above the tithe. It's anything above 10%. That's biblical. Right? So when you start getting into that free will grace, I don't have to give. I'm not giving under compulsion. I purpose in my heart and I'm going to bless this individual, this organization, this cause because God led me to do it and it's above my 10%. That's when the sowing and reaping happen and that's when it gets really fun. Now let me say this. We don't give to get. We get to give and we're blessed because of it. One of the greatest analogies I've ever heard about this is a water pipe. Got any plumbers in the room? I don't know. All you guys know this. Water, what does a water pipe do? It takes water from one area and moves it to another, right? It's a conduit. That's what a conduit is, right? It takes, it helps something pass through it, right? As a Christian, as a believer, as a Christ follower, we're conduits of all of God's resources that he blesses us with, right? So it's not our money, it's his money. So he gives us the money and we're supposed to allow it to flow through us to others, to, to people, right? to be generous with it. What happens in that water pipe? That water pipe can't help but get a little wet when that water passes from A to B. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because the water's all up in it, right? But it's allowing it to pass through it. In the same way as a believer, when we are generous with the money that God blesses us with, we can't help but get a little blessed with what? What's passing through us? Money. Because God can trust that heart. God loves to bless good stewards, Amen. When we're faithful with the little, he'll bless us with more. And he wants us to be blessed to be a blessing, not blessed to be cocky, not blessed to be a punk. He wants us to be blessed so we can be a blessing all over his people from the very beginning. I bless you. What did he do in, in the garden? The first thing he did to Adam and Eve, I blessed them, right? A Abraham, the blessing of Abraham. He's our spiritual father. All over from cover to cover, God wants his children blessed. And so, man, generosity is a huge part of it. You know, I had this thought this week and it like, it's like, wow, what would that look like? What if every Christian tithe? Only 5% of U.S. is tithing and Christians are giving 3%, not 10%. What if every Christian, every believer in Christ gave 10% at least? What would that look like? What would, the, what would the culture, what would the world look like? I began to like get emotional about it because that would be a significant increase from 3% average, that would be 7% worldwide. That, I believe, is the church that God is building and sees. Because when that, if that happened, we'd have so much more resources to bless so many more people. You know what I'm saying? Like the church, the church could provide financial aid to anybody who needed it because they'd have reserves. The church would become the food pantry. We don't need government welfare. We would be the welfare system. We would be the hospital. Amen? Do you see, like, we, I believe the church is the hope of the world just because Jesus is building it. But how much more of the hope of the world could we be if we all just did our part and, and there was reserves on store, missionaries that felt a call to go overseas would not have to fundraise a cent. You feel called? I see that call. Go ahead with your bad self and go reach some people, right? You're just sending people. What could the gospel, what would the spread of the gospel look like if we began to get into the giving game and allow and trust God with that? It's, it's powerful stuff, amen? And so practically, what do we do with this? I just always encourage everybody when we're talking about giving, it's always a heart check, right? Just get in the game. I just want to encourage you, like, I, if you can't give 10%, give, start somewhere. I always said, I said that last week, start somewhere, right? If you can't give 10, but you can give three or four, start somewhere. People are like, well, I can't give the full 10, so I feel really guilty and condemned about this. I'm not going to give it all. It's like, that is horrible logic. That's an excuse. Give what you can and trust God for increase so that you can continue to give more, amen? Reduce and ask him to do some of these things we did in the other six steps so that we have more to give, Right? God wants us to be blessed. The other thing I always say is stay consistent in your giving. 
thing with generosity is God's looking for consistency and faithfulness. I think the trap we get into is sometimes only give when we're emotionally moved to give. Oh man, that was a really powerful message. I'm going to give today. Right? Like, awesome. Praise God. But like, don't do it just then. Like, I'm going to give that tithing thing a try today. It's like basically saying, God, are you a slot machine? Are you a genie? Because if I don't see a return next Friday, I'm done. This thing doesn't work. And he's like, you got to give it some time. You got to give it some time, right? When we give only because we're moved or that we feel compulsive, it's like we're tipping God. And nowhere does it say in Malachi 3, bring the tip to God. Whether it's good service or not good service. It says to bring it to him because it belongs to him. Whether, whether you like the preaching, whether you like the worship, you didn't like the worship, where are you planted? Where's your local church? Bring the tithe to the Lord. You do it through a, mortal men receive tithes, but there Jesus Christ receives them, right? And so we, we don't do it, we, and we do it consistently, right? Some people only tithe when they show up. National average of people showing up in person is once a month. So what's happening with your money for the other three weeks, Right? There's, there's no consistency there, right? Sometimes you're setting up reoccurring helpful because either you're here or not or you go to the cottage in the summer, it doesn't stop the generosity and the spirit of generosity in your life because, again, you want to bring that every time, the first, right? And so, man, I just want to encourage you guys. I hope, I hope you guys have taken something to heart this morning. I, I know that we talked about a lot of stuff and we got to close up this morning, but we could talk forever about this stuff, but just want to give you guys some more tangible, like, practicals, like what area or areas does maybe God want to strengthen or work on in these areas, right? I think, I think we all desire and have the goal to be financially well and, and to have our money in order. What's the difference? Why do some people get it right and some people don't? I believe it's our systems. It's our habits. I'll, I'll give you one last quote. James Clear, he authored the book uh, Atomic Habits, really great book. He says this. He says, you do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. Winning with money is 20% knowledge 80% behavior. The reason why we don't win is because we don't have a system or we know about a system, but we don't stick to the system. Budgeting and giving and saving and investing and, and going without when we don't have it and not going into debt and eradicating all of the, If we have a system in place, we can work the system and we can get out of places that we don't want to be in. Amen? And God can get us to places that he desires for us. And so, man, I just want to encourage you guys. Some, it might be a season for us to start some new systems. Amen? When alignment might look like we're going to do our finances a little bit differently going forward from this point, and we want to begin to win and have some momentum, amen? So again, we've, we've given you guys some, some habits today. Uh, just recap for these in case you missed any of these. Number one, work for a wage. Don't work, you don't eat. Number two, stick to a budget. Don't budge from the budget, right? Number three, avoid and demolish debt. Eradicate that debt. Don't go into more debt. Four, get the right relationships, the right resources in your life, right? Number five, save something. Put some aside, right? Number six, invest intentionally. And lastly, give generously. Alive Family Church, this is a season of alignment. It's a season of alignment. And I believe God's calling all of us to take steps of faith in alignment to his word. We've spent a lot of time the last four weeks talking about money. I talk about money for a really long time. If you're a first-time guest or visitor, I apologize. We, we've talked about money three times in seven years. But we've got a lot of newer people to this building. And again, alignment in every area of our lives. God desires for us to prosper in this area. He wants to help us in this area. And so there's no big giving offering. There's no building campaign coming. Remember, I promised you this isn't a money grab series. This is simply God loves you and he wants you to prosper. And he wants to help you. And so I'm going to leave you with this one question. Here's how we all respond to the last four weeks of this series. And it's this. If you can put that question up there for everybody. Here's what I want you to do. Here's my challenge. Ask God what he would have you do in response to this series, and then just do it. That's, that's all we're asking. That's all we're asking. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in response to this series? What adjustments, what tweaks, what systems do I need to get going in my life? And then just be obedient. Don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer as well. And I believe if we all do that, that could look different for everybody in this room and everybody online. God will move supernaturally. God will begin to move supernaturally and he'll begin to set us free from the slavery of debt and begin to prosper us and move us forward so we can be blessed to be a blessing. We've got work to do, Alive Family Church. Amen? We're not done yet. We're just getting started around here. Praise God, there's more people to reach. There's more, there's more land to take for the Lord. There's more, there's more outreach. There's more for the youth. There's more for the next generation. There's so much more. It takes all of us just doing our part. Amen?
Would you join me as we go to the Father and pray and ask him to help us in these areas? Heavenly Father, we love you so much. Thank you for the time together. Thank you for this last month. These last four weeks as you've walked us through your heart, your plan for our money, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to wait till we get our money right. Father, we cry out to you right now today, last Sunday of February 2024, and say, Lord, we want to get our money right now. It starts today. And so, Father, we thank you for your precious Holy Spirit that leads us and guides us. Lord, we ask you by faith today a bold question. How would you want us to respond to this teaching in this series? What systems do we need to do? And Lord, whatever you speak to us, help us have the faith, the courage, the strength, maybe the follow-up conversations with spouses or different people in our life to do what you're calling us to do so we can begin to see your blessing in this area of our life, to bring greater alignment and help us get our finances right. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for your heart for your people. You love us so deeply and you tenderly lead us and guide us along the way. And so, Father, we receive blessing. I receive open windows of heaven. I pray open windows of heaven over families. I thank you that every financial need would be met according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. I thank you that debt has to go in the name of Jesus, that, Lord God, we're no longer slaves to any lenders. Father God, that you would set us free from that snare, Lord God. You'd help us be wise with the resources, Lord God, as we give generously. We know that we can never outgive you and that we're going to get a little wet as that water flows through that pipe. And you're not sorry. You add no sorrow to it. You don't apologize for it. You want us to be blessed to be a blessing. So, Father, help us have capacity in the systems to receive that blessing and steward it well. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you for this month of helping us get our money right. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Everybody agreed, said, amen. So be it.